are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk about what happened on the 4th of July, which was the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championships. We saw what happened, but we're going to get into that age-old question, is professional eating a sport? We're also going to talk some baseball. I raved about Ronald Acuna yesterday of the Braves and all the offensive categories he's leading the National League in. The one major thing that he accomplished two days ago, and I didn't even bring it up. Got to be sure to remember to bring up that. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about NBA Summer League action, which is underway and the debut of San Antonio Spurs number one pick Victor Wembanyama happens this Friday night in Las Vegas. It'll be on ESPN, and I'll be watching. We'll get to all that momentarily. So yesterday, I had a range of emotions in regards to the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship because there were news outlets putting it out there that it was canceled. Because when I turned it on at 11 o'clock Central Time on the screen, it said they were in a lightning delay. They had already filmed the women's, and then a giant storm blew through Coney Island, and a lot of lightning. They had to clear people out, and for two hours, all you kept seeing on the screen was lightning delay and or weather delay. So we're like, okay, what's going on here? Because when lightning comes, it usually doesn't stay for a whole day. You had to figure this thing only takes a half hour total. There had to have been a time yesterday where they could have filmed that competition in 30 minutes when there's not lightning in the area. They'll do it in the rain. They'll do it in overcast. It doesn't have to be perfect weather to eat hot dogs. But I guess the biggest thing was the lightning. Well, it finally cleared up, and the reports that it was canceled were obviously wrong. And Joey Chestnut only ended up eating, what, 63 was the exact number yesterday? I believe it was 63 Um, to win his 16th mustard belt. Sorry, 62 buns. 62 buns, uh, hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes, well below his world record of 76, which he did in, I believe, 2021. But he won it anyway. He's the greatest professional eater of all time. It's not even close. And... Even with only 62 dogs eaten yesterday, he still beat second place by, I believe, 14. Second place had 47 or 48. It's still not even close. And when you're watching it, you're like, wow, he's rolling. He had 10 through the first minute. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's on pace for 100. (laughs) Clearly, he didn't need 100 hot dogs. He might have died if he did. But, and I brought this up on the Daily Roundup. There is a whole, I saw this on Twitter, there's a whole litany of things that Joey Chestnut has the world record for in the world of professional eating. I want to say, just looking at this and eyeballing this list, I want to say there's got to be over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. I want to say 75 records he holds. Oh, it's out there. I read them all. I didn't go over the exact amount that he ate and and the amount of time that he has the world record for, but I went over every single object of food that he eats that he has the world record for. It's easily 70 to 75. I'm looking at the list right now. Just, you know, boysenberry pie, grilled cheese sandwiches, funnel cakes, 
hamburgers, Taco Bell tacos, chicken wings, pulled pork sandwiches. I mean, the list goes on. Twinkies. <laughs> He's got all these records. It has it has the food. It has where he set the record, how many minutes he did it in, and the date of when he set the record. So those are all his records. If you want to know every single one of the foods that he holds the record for, just go to my daily roundup in the Reality Steve podcast, and you can listen to that. But because ESPN televises this every year, there was a discussion afterwards on their show of whether or not professional eating is a sport. I think it's a fair question to ask, but when it comes to debates like this, you just almost have to, I don't even know if there's an answer to that question because everybody has a different definition of the word sport. Like what is a sport? If you go by the literal definition of the word sport, if you go to the dictionary, the definition says an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or a team competes against another or others for entertainment. Is there physical exertion involved in professional eating? Yes. Not a ton, but there is some sort of physical exertion. Is it a skill? Absolutely, because they're not actually eating it and enjoying it, the taste of it. It's more of the skill that you're able to somehow open up your esophagus and open up and expand your stomach to where you can fit 62 hot dogs in there in 10 minutes. I eat two hot dogs and I'm full. I wouldn't I couldn't physically eat that, but I don't have the insides of some of these guys in professional eating. I don't know if it's something that you can train yourself to do or if it's something you're born with. I think it's something you can train yourself to do. I have no interest in it. I'm not going to do it. But, so is that a skill? I don't know. I mean, some people probably think it is. But there's levels of everything. There's In anything, there's levels of things. If you want to say, hey, professional leading's a sport. He's competing against others. He's won 16 out of the last 17 years. He dominates his competition. Then I'll say, yeah. But don't tell me he's on the level of a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods or a LeBron James or a Shohei Otani. Just stop. He's excellent in his niche field. And if you want to call it a sport, then call it a sport. He's excellent. He's the best in his field, but don't tell me he can compete at a world-class level with other world-class athletes. You can say, well, Steve, all those guys you just mentioned, they can't eat 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes, nor should they want to. (laughs) Because his choice to either train himself to eat like a wild hog or not is... That's just a choice that he made, and while it is entertaining, there are levels to this. He's great. He's obviously the greatest professional eater we've ever seen, holding the hot dog record and then 75 other records that make you want to vomit. But it doesn't mean he's... (laughs) It all comes down to semantics, I guess. He's certainly not an athlete. 
If you want to call professional eating a sport, then go ahead and call it a sport. But he's not an athlete. He's not. He might be in shape. Some of those guys, it's crazy because some of the guys up there on stage are completely obese and overweight, and some of them are ripped. So clearly you don't have to be in shape to be a professional eater. You have to be in shape for the most part. Well, to play in the NBA, yes, you have to be in shape. To play in the NFL, you have to be in shape. Baseball, eh, probably I'd say 80 to 85% of the players, maybe even 90, are in shape. But you can kind of be out of shape and play baseball because there's a lot of standing around in baseball. Football and basketball, constant movement. So you get into the debates of, is it an athlete? Is Joey Chestnut on the same athletic scale as some of the others that I talked about earlier? And the answer is no, he's not. But it is fascinating to watch this, and it is a professional league. You know, because you could say the same for bowling. Is bowling a sport? I guess by the definition it is, because it does involve physical exertion. Is it a lot of physical exertion? No. Is it a skill? Absolutely, because it takes hours and hours of practice to get that good. But, again, you can't take a professional bowler and go put him on an NBA court and expect him to perform, or on a football field, or on a baseball field. So, I guess it all just comes down to what your definition of these things are. Bowlers are certainly not athletes. They are very good, and they are excellent at their own particular skill which is to hold a ball in your hand and roll it down a slick lane and knock down 10 pins at a time. That's what they're excellent at. Not anything else. So I talked yesterday about Ronald Acuna of the Braves just being a flat-out stud and the odds-on favorite to win the NL MVP award. You might as well just give it to him now. And I read off all the list of things that he's leading the National League in hitting in offensive categories. I mean, it was over 15 categories. However, he's done something that no other player in the history of baseball has done by the All-Star break. And that is have 20 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and 50 RBIs by the All-Star break. And he accomplished that the other day when he stole his 40th base. That is stupid. Now, stolen bases have not been part of baseball really since the 80s. You have league leaders. You have the leading the National League and the American League in stolen bases. Some guys over the past few years had like 38. Ronald Acuna has 40 halfway through the season. Now, the reason is because they changed the rules this offseason, we talked about this, that you can only throw over to first base twice during anybody because they wanted to limit a pitcher just constantly throwing over there and slowing down the game. So now if a pitcher throws over there twice, Acuna knows I can start running on this guy because he can't throw over here. <laughs> so, yes, the stolen base numbers, if you look all around baseball, are way up. I mean, way up. I didn't realize he had 40 in 80 games. I mean, he's... He's going he's gonna to get close to 100 steals, and we just haven't seen that since the Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman days. It just doesn't happen anymore. Stolen bases just became a thing of the past because of the way baseball is taught, which is basically now hit it as hard as you can. You're either going to hit a home run or strike out, but you're looking to drive the ball. No team is looking to manufacture runs anymore. Now, with the new rule, they certainly can. 
But, man, 40 stolen bases already in the first half of the season. We just we haven't seen that in years. I'm talking about 80s. So it's been probably 40 years since we've seen any of this. I, I believe the league leader in stolen bases in Major League Baseball last year was John Birdie of the Marlins, and he had 41 all last year. And Acuna's got 40 halfway through the season. And, yes, absolutely has to do with how they changed the rules in the offseason. And we knew it was coming. But, man, he's a stud. And the Braves are the best team in baseball. They're 29 games over 500 now. And, again, they they have overtaken the Tampa Bay Rays as the best team in baseball. And now it's just going to come down to, once again, I don't want to call the playoffs a crapshoot, but they kind of are. Because in any five-game series, which the first round is, all you got to do is lose three out of five. And even though the Braves are probably going to win 105 or 110 games this year, all that matters is that first-round series that they play in the playoffs, if somebody happens to beat them three out of five games. And then if they get through that, all it takes is somebody beating them four out of the next seven games in the next series, in the next three series that they play. So I don't know. We'll see. But this is this is a team that is – absolutely crushing the ball. They've done it without their best pitcher, Max Freed, who's on my fantasy team. And he's basically only had, I think, four starts all year. Supposed to be coming back after the All-Star break. But this team, from top to bottom, best lineup in all of baseball. It's not even close. They're on pace to set the home run record uh, for most home runs in a season by any baseball team. I mean, the, the last guy, the ninth hitter, in their lineup is Michael Harris. He was the NL Rookie of the Year last year. <laughs> he bats ninth for Atlanta. They've got eight All-Stars. I mean, they are fucking loaded. But again, they're loaded for a 162-game regular season. They're going to win 105 or 110 games, but none of it will matter if they don't capitalize and win a World Series. Remember the World Series team that they had two years ago that won it all? That team won 88 games in the regular season. This team is so much better than them. And yet, if they don't win it this year, the Braves are still only going to have one World Series title to show for all these dominant regular seasons. Just the way it goes. Baseball is so difficult come the postseason because, again, I, I, I hate saying this about all the sports because It makes you maybe not want to watch the regular season, but I'm telling you, the regular season doesn't mean shit in any major sport. It doesn't. If the whole goal is to win a title, to win a World Series, to win a Super Bowl, to win an NBA championship, what you do in the regular season doesn't matter. If you're the one seed, it doesn't set you up for postseason success. If you're the eight seed, it doesn't set you up for postseason success or failure. It just doesn't matter. All that matters is get there. Get yourself into the postseason, and let's see what happens. Some teams win it all in their sport that weren't playing great at the end of the season. Some teams win it all that were playing great at the end of the season. It's just there's no rhyme or reason. It's just everything, and I know this sounds so cliche, but whether it's a best-of-five series or a best-of-seven series, it's really a bunch of one-game series. All you got to do is win a bunch of one-game series. You win one game, it has no bearing on what you're going to do the next game against the same team. None. We saw it all the time 
this past season in the NBA playoffs. We talked about it on the daily roundup the next day. I'm like, wow, great. I mean, even in hockey, remember we were talking about, oh my gosh, they lost seven to one, and they come back the next game and win four to two. You know, it's like clearly losing seven to one meant absolutely nothing if you come back and win the next game. Now your series is tied at one. We saw it over and over. An NBA team would win by double digits. Sometimes they win by 25 or 30 points and then lose the next game. So what did it matter if you won by 25 or you won by one? They're all one-game series, and you just got to win three of those quicker than the other team does or four of those quicker than the other team does. And that's it. Boy, I don't want to say the Angels are cursed, but I think the Angels might be cursed. Mike Trout breaks the hamate bone in his left wrist, swinging a bat. And now he's going to be out at least a month, if not more. Because, first off, if he requires surgery, he's probably gone for the year. Those are basically a pain tolerance thing. But when your whole deal is hitting the baseball and your bottom hand has a broken bone in your wrist, I mean, you're not coming back anytime soon. And when you do come back, I got to believe it's still going to affect your swing. Gripping a bat, rolling your wrists over when you swing through the zone. I mean, I, Mike Trout is going to be out until at least August. Well, August is next month. Of course he's going to be out till August. He might be out the whole season. I don't think he's coming back before September 1st. I'd be shocked if he did. Maybe at best this is a six- to eight-week injury and he comes back end of August, but I don't see it. That is a horrible injury uh, for a great hitter like Mike Trout. And then yesterday, you know, I've been singing the praises of Shohei Otani, and, you know, he finally looked human yesterday. Pitched a horrible game. And I don't say horrible, but he, he was very average yesterday. Set, uh, five innings, seven hits, five runs. Gave up, I believe, three home runs in the game. Walked four, struck out five, and had to leave the game early because he had a blister. Now, when you're an Angel fan and you saw that he had to leave the game early, you were probably like, Jesus Christ, what else can happen to this team? We just lost Trout. The last thing we need to do is lose Otani. Apparently, it was just a blister. And... He's just going to have to work through that. He had a cracked nail going into yesterday's start, so his start did get pushed back to yesterday. It was supposed to be the day before. But pushed him back a day and then developed a blister and had to leave. Blisters you can overcome. You're just praying that. Because when he left the game, we didn't know it was a blister. It got reported later that he had a blister on his pitching hand. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't even want to see it. I'm not an Angel fan. I don't care. I just i am a fan of greatness. You know this. I don't want to see this guy get hurt. I don't want to see this guy blow out his arm. That would suck. And finally, the NBA Summer League has started. Victor Wembanyama, the number one pick in the draft, playing for the San Antonio Spurs Friday night in the Vegas Summer League. First game. I can't remember off the top of my head what time they play, but it will be on ESPN. Tune in if you want to see it. And I'm not going to say like he's going to score 40 points a game in Summer League. He's still very young, but, man, there was a picture circulating of him over the weekend. Maybe it was a couple days ago. might have been on Monday. Of him sitting in the locker room with his shoes off and socks off. His feet look like aliens. His feet are so fucking big and so long and skinny. It, it, it doesn't look human. 
And, you know, when you're 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, you know, they say he's 7'3 and a half without his shoes, but who cares what you are without your shoes in the NBA? You're wearing shoes on the court. How tall are you on the court when you're playing? He's probably 7'5". But I don't know if you've seen that picture. Google it. Google Victor Wembanyama's feet. No, not to get turned on by it. I'm talking about just in general. Google his feet and see if that picture comes up because it just looks so bizarre. Clearly, this guy has to have custom-made shoes because you're not running into Foot Locker and being like, yeah, can you give me a size 23 or whatever the hell he is? Man, that foot, those feet look so... I mean, they they almost look like forearms. <laughs> they're, they're so long. Anyway, he plays and makes his debut Friday night on ESPN. Go watch it. You know, the number two pick in the draft last year, a guy who's similar to Victor Wembenyama, is Chet Holmgren, who broke his foot last year in Summer League and didn't play a game for the Oklahoma City Thunder last basketball season. He's back in action playing for Oklahoma City, and he looked really good. And Oklahoma City is going to be really good again now that they got a healthy Chet Holmgren playing. Still skinny out there, but I believe he's put on 12 or 15 pounds since last year. But again, this guy is one of those unicorn-type players. Seven foot three, can get a rebound, dribble it up court, take step-back threes, can take you off the dribble. He's very, very similar to Victor Wembanyama. Put on a little more weight than him. I mean, watching OKC and San Antonio go at it this year I think will be very interesting because I'm assuming these two are going to guard each other. And they've played against each other in the past in international games and stuff. And I've seen the highlights, and it's pretty pretty fun watching these two go at it. I don't know if OKC plays San Antonio in the Vegas Summer League, but that'll be great if they do because this is quite the matchup because these two guys are now very, very similar to what they can do on a basketball court for their height. We've just never really seen it. Wembenyama at seven foot five. I mean, Holmgren pretty much do the same as, as Victor can, and he's maybe an inch or two shorter. So I cannot wait till Friday night to watch that take place in Vegas, and I think you should as well. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow in Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Pass it along to your friends, your family. Just let them know that the Sports Daily is out every single day talking about the latest and greatest and the hottest topics going on in the world of sports. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.